You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. This morning's scripture reading uh, you will find in the Gospel of John chapter 3 and we will begin in verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter, enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, and everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John was also baptizing at Anon near Salem because there was plenty of water and people were constantly coming to be baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this John replied, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. 
That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. The man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. The text for this morning's sermon is uh, John 3, verse 36. We have read it already, but we will read it once again. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. This morning's sermon was prepared by the late Reverend G. Van Doren. The title he has on the top of the page here is, He Who Believes in the Son Has Eternal Life. Beloved in the Lord, we could easily fill the agenda of a week-long Bible study conference with digging into this chapter 3 of John. Every evangelist has his own particular material to contribute to the picture of Jesus Christ living among men. Luke and John are giants in this request. Respect and John would then even be the first among equals. He wrote by the Holy Spirit his gospel much later than the others. He must have known Matthew, Mark, and Luke. When he then writes, his aim seems to be to fill the gaps left by the others. As a result, John offers us many specials. One of them is chapter 3. It is unique, and it is like a God mine. On such a study conference, we could dig up many treasures. The first that strikes us is that here we find no less then three times mention of the fact that Jesus himself also baptized, just like John, and even more than John. And he did it not in Galilee, but in the same region where his forerunner worked, Judea. Jesus went to Judea. There he remained with his disciples and baptized. Verse 22. John's disciples came to him and said to him, Rabbi, He who was with you beyond the Jordan here is baptizing, and all are going to him. Verse 26. And then the third time, in chapter 4, verse 1, the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John. Did we ever stand still and realize that there was not only a John the baptizer, but also Jesus the baptizer? And what kind of baptism was that? In whose name? Why? Lots to discuss. But there is more, much more. There is that nightly conversation with Nicodemus, during which is put into words also unique, what is a life and death matter for you and me and everyone? Unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God 
let alone enter it. Verses 3 and 5. That's only the beginning. Because then we hear the Lord speaking about Himself as the Son of Man. Verses 13 and 14. But also as the Son, the only Son of God. Again, that would take quite some energy and insight. What did the Lord, why did the Lord speak that way? And why here in the context of chapter 3? What is exactly the difference between these two titles and what is their mutual relationship? Mysteries to wonder about. Mysteries to uncover. Yet, this is not the end. Things are just starting. Because there in verse 16, we have what is called the best known word of the Bible. The summary of all that has been revealed about a sinner's salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Some have called it the gospel written on a nickel. Every essential part of that gospel is here. God in the center. God is love. His love is the root and the source of everything else that he ever did or will do. And there is the history of salvation, Believe in him, and you shall not perish, not now, not ever. You will have life everlasting. And then comes verse 18, the echo of John in verse 36, our text. We find here the most elaborate and detailed description of the preaching of John the Baptist, verses 25 through 36. In the mouth of two witnesses, Jesus himself And then John the Baptist, the truth shall stand. The awesome truth of eternal life and eternal wrath. Let us concentrate on this heavy weight. That is decisive for your and my and everyone's eternal weal and woe. On this theme then, Reverend Van Doren guides you. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. First, how simple. Second, how complex. Third, how radical. So, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. How simple, how complex, how radical. How simple indeed. It's all said in one line. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. As simple as that. There is a special reason to choose the term simple. As always, we must see this text in the context. Chapter 3 begins with the man of the Pharisees, and that name, Pharisees, creates a picture in your mind. On top of that, and keeping in mind that John did not divide his book in chapters, someone else did that much later, in the first word after our text, there they are again. The Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard. That he was in that area, busy with baptizing more disciples than John, Knowing that, he went to Galilee. Thus, our simple text, He who believes in the Son has eternal life, is framed within the continuous confrontation with the Pharisees. Although Nicodemus was a favorable exception, the whole world in which these Pharisees lived, their system, their doctrine, and lifestyle was anything but simple. To them and their brothers, the scribes, to serve the Lord and to please him was a very difficult 
and complicated business. Everyone knows something about the Pharisees. We know from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, that they were professional prayers. They would stand at a street corner and in a loud voice address the Most High, telling him long stories about what they had done and how good they were. God, I thank thee that I am not like other men. Luke 18, verse 12. They were good at fasting, too. The Lord had told his people, Leviticus 16, that they had to fast on the Day of Atonement, thus only one day per year. In later times, some special days were added, but the Pharisees surpassed everyone else by fasting twice a week. That is more than a hundred times more often than the Lord had ordained originally. And then the tithes. Ten percent of everything for the Lord and his temple. Yes, the Lord demanded from Israel the tithes of the harvest and the herds. But the Pharisees wanted to improve on that in order to be more pious than others. Matthew tells us that they even paid 10% of the crop of that little corner in the backyard where they grew some herbs and spices like mint and dill and cumin. Thus, if they cut, let's say, 20 bunches of cumin, they carefully laid out two of them aside and in the sight of everyone carried them to the temple. Not simple at all. Serving God and grasping for salvation was a very complicated business. They especially concentrated their inventiveness on the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. But then, as we know, the Lord wanted his people to be really happy on this special day. Call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable. Isaiah 58. Not for them. In the course of time, they produced about 100 do's and don'ts for the Sabbath. They selected no less than 39 articles of your furniture that you were not supposed to move or carry on the Sabbath. Your pallet was one of them, as the healed man in John 5 found out. When the Lord Jesus led his disciples through the grain fields and they began to pluck heads of grain, Mark 2, the Pharisees immediately held counsel how to destroy him. In other words, their system of reaching and deserving eternal life was utterly complicated. They tried to make the list of their good works in God's book longer and longer. All the while, they had no heart for the crowds who did not know, who did not know their many laws. If they could only push open that heavy door of heaven for themselves. Then there comes the Messiah. There comes his forerunner. And both agree 100% when they break through that whole complicated system, blow up that rocky road of so-called good works, and declare it all futile and of no worth. Jesus says, he who believes in him is not condemned. And John repeats, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. All those complicated rules and prescriptions are as in a split second replaced by this simple rule for everyone who wants to receive eternal life. Not an intricate system, not a heavy manual, not a long list of works of the law, but just one thing, one simple thing. Believe in the Son. Then you were justified by a holy God. Then all the doors were opened wide. Indeed, how simple. 
One text says it all. There's only one theme. Believe in the Son. However, these Pharisees with their complicated system and their many rules were, after all, very regular people, notwithstanding their name. We are set apart from others. They were very human, so to speak. The Shiites of Iran may seem very inhuman, but their system, the do-it-yourself religion, is very much human. Already at the beginning of his ministry, the Apostle Paul collided with something similar. He had preached what he often calls my gospel to the Galatians. He had hardly turned his back, or there it happens again, and now in the church of Jesus Christ. After the introductory greeting, his first words are, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Galatians 1 verse 6. Let the preachers of such a different gospel be accursed, even if there is an angel among them. You know, that different gospel was no longer the message of our text. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. Oh no, that was far too simple. You must first be circumcised if you come from a pagan background. And then you get a training in the law of Moses. You must take part in certain ceremonies, obey certain Jewish rules, and then finally you may be baptized. But even after that, you will have to follow certain ancient customs. Only then you may hope to gain eternal life. The preachers of this different gospel became Paul's arch enemies, but they booked great success in the early Christian church. Already in the beginning of the second century, there arose monasteries. You had to separate from regular life, live outside the world if possible, and dedicate your whole life to doing good works and praying and fasting and being utterly poor. Then you make a good chance to merit heaven, eternal life. Those monasteries were a result of that different gospel and the beginning of a Pharisaic, Pharisaistic lifestyle. Some people had a pillar built for themselves with a platform on top. They spent the rest of their life on top of that pillar to get away from life on earth and to be closer to heaven. People called them pillar saints. Then there it grew again, straight against the gospel of Jesus and John. Believe in the Son, and then you have eternal life. That's simple. But no, that was too simple. Thus, there was a separate clergy who administered and distributed the treasures of grace. Special orders. Special days. Special people. Towards the end of the Middle Ages, that whole system of how to get into heaven, even by the way of a shorter or longer stay in purgatory, had completely covered the simple gospel as Jesus had preached it. People like Martin Luther, John Ox, John Calvin, and with them the 7,000 that the Lord had kept for himself would never have recovered if not the Lord had opened their eyes and guided them to the pearl of great value, justified by faith alone. Only by faith, only by grace, Europe and other continents were changed from darkness to light by the rediscovery of this simple gospel. Alas, history proved again that it is not that simple to keep the gospel and the salvation of a sinner simple. So easily man slides and slips again into do-it-yourself. First, you have to do this and that to go through special experiences before you may believe. 
It is also for me, or at the other side. And that is very much in nowadays. After the simplicity of believing in Jesus as a son of God, you have to go forward, mostly on your own, toward a second baptism. This time of the Holy Spirit, and you have to show the gifts of the Spirit, even to go on to perfection in this life before you really made it. But then you have lost the simplicity of the gospel as preached to us here by John the baptizer and confirmed by Jesus himself. He revealed that not only to Paul before the gate of Damascus, Paul needed that because he wasn't there when Jesus went around preaching his gospel. And who would dare to preach a different one? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He who believes in him is not condemned. It is the beginning and the end of your life in faith, believer. It is the first name that you learn to know after you could say, Mom and Dad, the name of Jesus. That's how it started. And it will, by the grace of God, be the last word at the end of the road for you, Jesus. And that will cover all your sins in the sight of God and give you a wide entrance into the house of the Father. You cannot add to that. You shouldn't try. You shouldn't wish to add anything to what we hear as John's message to us. He who believes in the Son has eternal light. It is that simple. You want to take a last shot at it? You point to the Old Testament, to the books of Moses. You think of a book like Leviticus, filled with details about I don't know how many different sacrifices. Endless seem the details of the tabernacle on which Moses saw a model when he was with God on the mountain. Then there are all those ceremonies to be kept and the rules given for all kinds of court cases conducted by the elders of the people. You call that simple? One had to be an expert to find the way in this labyrinth. But no, now you are wrong. As far as east is from the west, as far as Moses from the Pharisees, you may get lost in Leviticus looking for the simple gospel, but it is there all the time and on every page. All those sacrifices and ceremonies were nothing but pictures. Pictures and shadows of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They were not needed to save you from your sins. Look at Father Abraham, the father of all believers. Did he need the law to be justified by faith? But there was no law yet. Moses came later. Paul hammers that in that into the hearts of the Galatians who so quickly had deserted the simplicity of the gospel. Thus, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness before the law came. Galatians 3. Before Abraham was, I am, says the Lord Jesus in chapter 8, and Abraham saw my day. When Paul built up his epistle to the Romans, he took a line from the Old Testament as foundation. The righteous shall live by faith. Habakkuk said that it is exactly what the text says. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. David sang about it, and we still sing with him. Blessed is the man whose trespass is forgiven. Psalm 32. If your eyes are not covered by the veil of Judaism, you see the gospel on every page of the Old Testament. How simple it is. (coughs) 
but it is also complex at the same time. You did not hear me say simplistic, did you? No. No, that is something altogether different, beloved. Simplistic is the man who claims that he can write the whole gospel on a nickel. Simplistic is that kind of Methodism that is still popular at vast revival meetings. You can become a believer and commit yourself to Jesus Christ in a minute. They serve you fast food and fast service it is. Against this misunderstanding of the simple gospel of our text, we say it is complex. No, not complicated. That is something else again. As though you get lost in it, as though it is hard to untangle, as though it were a labyrinth, certainly not. But what John tells us here, repeating his master, is complex. By that we mean that it is put together by several parts which perfectly fit together and so form a beautiful harmony and unity. Why do we say complex after first having stressed the simple? First, because of the way the Holy Spirit formulated that believe in. It is literally believe in two. And thus it describes and demands total and personal surrender to the person of Jesus Christ. That is already something. But there is more. He who believes, that is, who is believing and who keeps believing, it is a lifetime job, so to speak. You did it in your young years and you keep doing it all through your years till the end, till your last breath. In sickness and in health, during freedom and persecution, in prosperity and adversity, this believing is a matter of perseverance to the end. But there is more, much more. It must have struck you from the start that not only John in verse 30 speaks about, 36 speaks about the son. Respect for the master forced him to do this. But the master himself says it also, and he says it about himself. He says it repeatedly. Twice he called himself the son of man. Verses 13 and 14. But then, and from there on, it is the Son, or the Son of God, which in John's Gospel is always the same. The Son is the Son of God. Now, when you hear that, he who believes in the Son, you suddenly realize that there is more to it than meets the eye at first glance. The Son. Then we must right away think of Psalm 2 and Psalm 110. We can read in Psalm 2, I will tell you of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. I will make the nations your heritage. Verses 7 and 8. And again in verse 10 and following, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Kiss the son. Blessed are all, are all who take refuge in him. See, all that comes to mind when you believe in the son there was a decree. Thus, already before the foundation of the earth, the Lord planned and decreed that Jesus of Nazareth would be the Son to whom all nations are subjected. Paul would say, before the foundation of the world, he chose us in Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1.37. When you believe in the Son, you do believe that, and more, much more. In chapter 5, verse 25, we hear the Son say, truly, Truly, I say to you, 
the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Thus, when you believe in the Son, surrendering your, surrendering, surrendering your life to Him, you believe at the same time that He was appointed before the universe was created, and that He will come to judge the living and the dead. Some might say, I can write my faith on a nickel, but the triune God thought differently. When the three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit planned together the redemption of sinners, the Holy Spirit needed no less than 66 books, a complete divine library to tell us all we need to know about the Son. The same Spirit who works that simple faith in a sinner's heart gave and gives his testimony in all the scriptures, and we need it all. Also, this chapter 3 of John, without which the Bible would not be complete. If we need to know all that, all this about the Son in order to believe in Him, into Him in the proper way, then it is about time that we mend our ways. Some act as though the Bible is for theologians, possibly also for elders who need to know a bit more than the average church member. We suffer with all our big words of malnutrition. malnutrition. We're underfed. As much as believing into the Son is a lifelong matter, so is the searching of the Scriptures a lifelong matter. And even after many years of digging into the treasures of the Word, we only know in, in part, in small part. To believe into the Son is a complex matter if you consider all the aspects of the Scriptures and all that the Lord has done and will do through the only Son. To believe into the Son is not only to know something of the New Testament, as the no te- as though the Old Testament is for the Jews. Believing in Him starts with the first words of John, In the beginning was the Word. And the first words of the Bible, In the beginning God created. It means to see Him in the ceremonies of the law, to discover Him in the history of the covenant people, to hear Him through the mouths of the prophets, to sing His glory in the Psalms, to get wise by His wisdom in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. It is to believe the virgin birth, the cross and the resurrection, Pentecost and the scroll in his hands. It is to hear him say, I am coming soon. And then, oh yes, it is to admire and worship him forever and ever. It will take no less than eternal life to know the Son. And now the third point. Thus we found in our text, how simple. Also, how complex. Finally, how radical. Hearing the words of the Lord and his forerunner, no one can possibly deny the radical character of their message. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. He who does not obey the Son shall not see life. Believing or not believing is not a matter of Difference of opinion. When you want to share your faith with your neighbor, your colleague, you will run into privatism, especially in this modern age. Privatism means that religion is a person's personal business. You don't talk about it. Or if you do, the other will say, sorry, that's your opinion. I happen to have a different one. And that's it. But according to the Holy Spirit, it is much more than that. 
It is an eternal difference and distance already here and now. It is even more that the one goes to heaven and the other goes to hell. You may have seen that old print of the wide road and the narrow road. Only a few walk on the latter compared with the crowd on the wide road. Now it must be granted that several church members live on a level that is really too low for one who believes into the sun. They seem to believe that this life is no more than a constant death. Yes, I know I am quoting our form for infant baptism. Without Christ, indeed, there is no more than a constant death. But in light of our text, I would suggest that we skip that little word, no, and that from now on we no longer say of the life of him who believes in the Son. This life is no more than a constant death, but that instead we turn it into this life is more than a constant death. Yes, it is. Of course, he who believes in the, into the Son has eternal life, not will have it later after this constant death, but has eternal life, has here, now. The greatest change in your life is not when at the resurrection you receive a glorious body, but when you become a new creation in Christ. This is eternal life that they know thee, Jesus said in his prayer in chapter 17 of John. So radical is this gospel. But it is also for the other side. The Lord said in verse 18, He who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Thus, this is the reason why one is condemned already here and now. John, repeating the Master's words, says, He who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God rests upon him. Do you hear that? To believe is to not obey. It is like a thunderclap. Hear, everyone, hear. You outspoken enemies of the cross, hear, you leaders and mighty ones, prime ministers, dictators, if you choose to not believe, you do not obey the Son. You are the rebels of Psalm 2. It is not just a matter of private opinion. The Son is the Master. The nations are His heritage. Everyone has to obey. And if not, if anyone lives as though there is no God, as, that, as though he does not need a Savior, then that is a slap in God's face. He so loved the world that he gave his only Son. Now they disobey him? Then they are already condemned. Hear John say, the wrath of God rests upon him. Rests like a heavy burden, a black thunderstorm. This is already hell, here and now. Already condemned, such all will not even see life. That's how radical the gospel is, beloved. And that is true for both sides, the believers and the disobedient. To believe in, in the Son, into the Son, means to have already eternal life here and now. This is my Father's world. I am here in my Father's world, and I may, in my house, my apartment, my senior citizen's home, already live in one of the many mansions. I, to quote the Catechism, Lord's Day 38, I let the Lord work in me through His Holy Spirit, 
and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. I will not perish. I have eternal life. They may laugh at you, ridicule you, even hate you, and in the end kill you as a spoil sport in the new age. It would not be the first time. But no one can take that away from you. No one can separate you from Christ. We know better, don't we? There will be two on a farm. The one is taken. The other left. There will be two in the office. The one is taken. The other left. There will be two sitting in the same pew. The one is taken. The other left. Oh yes, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. Oh, oh, he who does not obey the Son shall not see life. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.